0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie-Weissman. I'm the editor of Modern Retail, and I'm joined by Daniela Corrente, the founder and CEO of Real. Um, and I'm excited to talk with Daniela about... Sort of how people's spending patterns have shifted, specifically with an app that is about uh, having people save money. I'm excited to talk about just sort of how that began, what she's seeing, uh, what what sort of spending patterns there are. But hey, Daniela, how are you doing?
1: I'm great. How are you today, Kel? I'm
0: doing so good. Thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, of course. Looking forward to share all of the learnings that we've had through this, you know, roller coaster year. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. First one, for, for those who don't know, what exactly is real? Uh, uh, I've, uh, I've, I've been on your website, I've seen it, uh, but how did it sort of start? What was the genesis? And sort of how are you positioning the, the, overall, the overall program?
1: Yeah, look, we're a platform for financial empowerment. What we do is that we make it very easy for people to pay for the things that they want installment savings. That way they can shop without going into debt. And it really all started because I've been fascinated with financial psychology for many, many years, ever since I was exposed to credit cards in college and had a bad experience. I I've I know about old. that. Yeah, right. I, yeah. I'm not the only one. Please no, make me feel absolutely better. Not. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, look, I, I had a bad experience with credit cards and that made me be very aware of the implications on swiping cards, the lasting repercussions that it has from, from a well-being and for, you know, from a mental uh, perspective. And after working for years in advertising and on consumer brands there in New York, where you guys are based, I decided to actually do something that I was highly passionate about. And understanding this this trend and this need that people have been having over the past couple of years to have a better control of their finances and their money mm-hmm. the idea of real came to uh, to mine and my co-founder and I just jump on it and it's been it's been fantastic to see how people have engaged with the platform what they're saving for and really making an impact on showing people that they have potential within their own cash flow to achieve their aspirations I think that's the biggest excitement for me
0: absolutely so can you walk me through it so pretty much it's that i join real and i say for example i would like a pair of AirPods or i want uh a, 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 an exercise bike and then do you have an agreement with with apple itself sort of how, what, what how does it work for uh, for me to get that like walk me through that process
1: So yeah, you come to our website. It's joinreal.com. We aggregate content from thousands of stores. You find products either from, as you said, AirPods, bikes, fashion. It's very big for us. Gaming has been growing tremendously since COVID started, furniture. So you choose what you want to save for. Let's say that there are the AirPods and we tell you, hey Kel, they are $200, but you can have them in, let's say, 45 days if you save $3 Mm -hmm. a day, right? Um, You choose how much you want to save. If you want to save daily or weekly, connect your bank account, and we take care of all the savings. So we Mm -hmm. take care of all of the transactions. We actually look online. If we can find deals for you, we let you know throughout the process. We tell you how amazing you are, how smart (laughs) you are, that you're saving instead of swiping a credit card. And once you complete saving, all that you have to do is confirm your shipping address and we take care of placing the order from the retailer and get it delivered
0: to you. That's, so do you find that people who use the platform, do they usually do it for a one-off purchase? Do they do it for many? I, I like In my head, I see a lot of similar but different sort of savings platforms. There are... There are companies like a firm that do that you pay in installments that you do with the retailer, or there's a company like Digit where it takes a little bit out of your savings account every month so that you're saving towards a vacation, but you're sort of a hybrid of in the middle. And so how how are how do your customers use your platform in that way?
1: yeah of course look in the case of a firm it's a loan at the point of purchase mm-hmm. right so it's uh, they are actually lending you money and their repercussions when yeah. you get a loan right in the case of digit it's savings but it's more transactional based we're actually merging the purchase which is the emotion with the savings so mm-hmm. we take care you get a personal shopper that works with you that looks for deals for what you are looking to get we place the order on your behalf so it's a full circle from the moment that you decided that this is the item that you want until the moment that you have it. And we have a lot of flexibility. So if you change your mind and you decide that you don't want an item and now you want another thing, you can absolutely move your money around. Mm. And if you decide to boost and do a one-time payment because you got paid today and you're feeling that you want your airport faster, you can absolutely do that. Or even if you want to share it with your friends, we see that a lot that people share it for their birthdays. And they're like, hey, instead of buying me a bottle of wine or something that I don't really like, I'm (laughs) saving for this pair of shoes, for this pair of shoes, just chip in. Put a couple of dollars and that will make me really happy. So it's all this connection in between the saving and the emotional aspect that that achieving that goal is going to give you.
0: Do you find that your customers... Are they very intentional with their purchases? Do they come to Real and say, this is what I want? Or I, your website is very sort of discovery based. You can sort of look through it and say, here's men's, here's women's, there's things like that. How, what is sort of this mattering in terms of w- what people are getting? Is it just sort of, I've been wanting this one thing for years now and I haven't been able to afford it. So I'm turning to you so that I can finally do that?
1: Yes. So they come usually with an item in mind that they want to save for. And we actually have expanded so they also can put experiences, right? Mm. Uh to your point earlier, you asked if we see frequency. Yes. Our common customer has like 2.6 reels active at any time. That's the average amount of reels that they have active wow. at the same time. So it's been very interesting. To see what they are saving for, because they might be saving for a pair of shoes, but they're also saving for a fridge, right? Mm-hmm. Or for a desk or for AirPods, to your point. So yes, when we come, when they come into the platform, they already have something in mind, but we also show them other things based on their likes, based on what we've seen them gravitating towards. Um, so that's that's the way they engage with the customer. A success team and with their personal shoppers
0: can you talk a little more so you were mentioning that you're you're really into uh this, this financial psychology and that you worked before in advertising so did did your work before inform how you approached designing real was it just sort of a passion project w- with that interest in the psychological aspect how did that bleed into what what real has become
1: yeah a hundred percent, my experience in marketing affected the whole approach on not only how to build real, but also how to craft the story around the product that we were putting out there, right? And, and you know, as a podcast, podcast host, you know the importance <laughs> of the story. So that's something that I'm grateful for, uh, of spending so many years in marketing before. But with the financial mindset, I think there's always been a disconnect on talking about how finances affect our mental health, right? And it's always, if you think about our everyday interactions and the way that we buy and what we have been taught that is the right way to achieve our goals, there is a big disconnect between the love of buying and the feeling guilty about spending. That's a constant struggle that's been out there for years, especially after what happened in 2008, And I'm sure it's gonna be only stronger Mm -hmm. after we come on the other side of what's happening today. So really they're reinforcing and making sure that we put out there and that we understand that savings is a very emotional exercise, it's key to success. Because we all like to think that we're rational beings, but in reality, a lot of the financial decisions that we make come from an emotional standpoint. Mm -hmm. So taking that into consideration, Taking like all the years that me and my co-founder spent in marketing and positioning products for customers, that's where we really like realized that there was a strong need in the market for for connecting the communication and making savings feel less transactional and more attainable, uh, in order to capture the demographic that we're going after. Right, mm-hmm.
0: uh, it's a
1: huge industry. It's a huge market, and. Everybody has different approaches and how they go about their finances. But if you talk about the masses and um, people in the everyday life, finances is a topic that we avoid as a whole. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we don't want to talk about it versus shopping is exciting.
0: Are your customers changing their sort of zoomed out approach to finances as a result of using real? I feel like a lot of a lot of the financial literacy programs nowadays are about sort of speaking more directly to people and being more authentic about what the realities of their financial situation is. And a lot of it is about just sort of rethinking, you know, instead of getting that credit card, you should be saving, like, you know, just sort of talking about things in a way that personally, my parents were, never were able to talk to me about. And so how do you find the, the, your, the people on real are changing their, other than saving up to buy one product, are there overall patterns shifting in terms of how they're thinking about buying products down the line, how they're saving, et cetera?
1: Absolutely. Think about this. For many of them, it's the first time that they've actually saved for something, Mm -hmm. right? It's something that's tangible. It's that connection with like, oh wow, I did this, right? I was able to put $5 a day, $2 a day, whatever it was attainable to them. And there is a result of it. I was able to achieve what I wanted because I put this money aside. So they start thinking more holistically about their finances, and that's one of the reasons why we have such a high repeat rate, because people now see that there is an opportunity for them to set money aside for things that they thought that they could only afford by swiping a credit card.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, what is like? What is the general demographic? Is it usually college age or you know twenties to early thirties? Who, who are your your prime consumers?
1: So it's me. 20s to mid-30s, those are our brand consumers. For a long time, our main demo have been female because we used to be very focused on fashion when we Mm -hmm. launched the platform. As we have expanded, we're starting to see more of a mix between male and female, but predominantly our users are are female that are mid-20s to mid-30s. A lot of them are recent college graduates, right? This is their first time actually getting a job and understanding their finances and how to structure Mm -hmm. their money. Others are first-time moms. And all of a sudden, there is so much that comes with having a kid as far as financial responsibility. So they are being mindful on how they spend their money. I think people are becoming smarter constantly on how to spend their money.
0: Well, that's heartening to hear. Do you work at all with like the retailers or sort of how do how do your customers find you? Is it just do you do like is it more just organic customer acquisition where people find you because they want to buy this one product? Do they have do you have any partnerships with other retailers who you find they find you on their websites? Anything along those lines?
1: So we're working with partnerships with retailers right now. We started working with smaller retailers this year. Uh, but initially, it was a lot of word of mouth and organic and positioning ourselves as an alternative way to buy for customers. I'm actually super proud of the fact that the first partnerships that we started doing with retailers was small retailers.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it all started when the whole Black Lives Matter movement started. We really thought that we had a big responsibility as a company to use our pl- platform to sort of Amplify voices of, of diverse founders. Being a diverse founder is very important for me to provide my platform to others so that they can sort of span their value proposition of their brands. And we started partnering with, with small brands and that has actually pined out really nicely. Um, and that opened a full on set of possibilities of how we could partners with brands moving forward.
0: Interesting. So can you talk, so how did you go about these partnerships and were they, you know, you said they were smaller brands. Were they mostly fashion? What sort of, how did you go about it and what were, you know, did you find that these partnerships led to, what sort of results did these partnerships lead to?
1: So look, for for the ones that we did for um, the Black Lives Matter movement and Latina movement, Um, those ones are mostly towards the fashion side. We have furniture there too, because they are smaller brown brands. We were direct to brand. So we reached out to them through Instagram, to their email. We saw, um, very good reception on their end to partner and that's how we went about it.
0: Interesting. And so have you, I feel like a lot of the big retailers are, are going more towards uh, layaway options. And in some ways it sort of seems foreboding to me because it seems like a lot of the bigger companies are like, Oh, if you can buy our products, if you don't have it now, we'll give you a loan. And so I'm interested just to see how are, what are you noticing in terms of a, the spending patterns of both your customers, but any outreach you're getting, uh, from retailers or brands that you're working with? Are you seeing sort of, is there are are people more scared? Are people turning to more services like these because there is, you know, there, we are in the midst of an economic downturn.
1: Yeah. So there are a couple of things that play around there, right? Like for loans, I'm again, lo- I'm against loans yeah. uh, at the point of purchase. I think, I mean, they've been very smart at positioning themselves at the point of purchase, but it really doesn't solve the problem of people mm-hmm. going into debt and overextending themselves with purchases that are hurting them in the long term. If you if you think about it, a couple of weeks ago in the news, it was said that about 67 million people are defaulting on credit card because they cannot pay for them. Right. And we swipe many times credit cards for things that are not necessary for our everyday life. That doesn't mean that we don't want them or we shouldn't have them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You should have anything that you set your mind to. Just be mindful on how you pay for those things, right? And and that's where we play in with this safe to buy alternative, in which we've seen very, very good reception uh, after all, or during all of this COVID movement, because we've been as a society building on a on resentment from a paycheck to paycheck perspective, right? And going into that and feeling what that debt generates and for all the people that lost their jobs, all of 2020, everything that has happened have big implications. And I think for a platform like ours, it opens the doors because people are looking for alternative ways to achieve their goals. We're humans, we're aspirational by nature, we're going to want things and we're going to find ways to achieve our goals, right? That's what Mm -hmm. drives us. And that goal can be your new airport, it can be a trip, it can be the new running machine, whatever that is, because we're all different. It's important to keep in mind um, that we can that we can get it, and as far as retailers, they're also being more open because I mean, everything for some retailers it has worked fantastically, for some others it had really strong implications, right? Especially for the fact that the doors are closed and now they purely rely on e-commerce. So finding alternative ways to convert customers, it's something that's very appealing to them. Finding alternative ways to increase AOV and Push product it's something that's very appealing to them, so it's definitely a very interesting time for us
0: so you you have seen did you see an acceleration in people turning to your platforms you know when coronavirus first hit, or what was sort of what was sort of the shift you saw over the last three months?
1: The biggest shift actually has been on the kind of products that people are saving for that has been the oh. biggest shift that we have seen in the platform um, you know when when corona happened and back in March we were still very focused towards the fashion vertical and we were gonna expand into other verticals throughout the year but mm-hmm. we had to make an executive decision to you know you you have to meet your customers where they are mentally yeah and we definitely had to make an executive decision of saying hey we should open our platform to other kind of products right away so if people feel now that everybody's working from home, that instead of saving for you know, a handbag, they want to save for a desk, they want to save for an iPad, for a laptop. We should allow them to do that right away. So our team worked really quickly into deploying the capability for save for multiple items from different verticals. And it's been really interesting to see the kind of products that people are saving for and definitely the increase towards, obviously, you know, which... It relates to everything that's happening right now in commerce, the increase on saving for technology products, for electronics, for furniture, and when it comes to to beauty, we've actually seen an increase, or not an increase because it's something new for us. People also saving for beauty procedures, right? Oh or wow! Saving for like I want to save to do my highlights when this is over, right? I want to say for Botox when this <laughs> is over. I want to say. So it's been fascinating to see how people are using the platform to to save for everything that matters to them, from a computer to to the highlights that they're getting done.
0: Interesting. Did you do any sort of research about the areas you would expand into or did you just sort of how did you go about figuring out which 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 things you do beyond fashion?
1: We've been doing research for a while, surveys among our customers. I'm very big on surveying customers and listen to, to our customers. I guess it's the background in marketing, <laughs> but I'm always very open to, to what they're willing to, to share of what matters to them. And then we also have one section on the, on the website where you can just say for whatever you want. Right? Just tell us what you want and inform us on which ones are the partnerships and the verticals that we should focus on. And and that has been a great source of data for us to understand what people are looking to save next. And a lot of the releases that we've been doing throughout these months and the products that we've chose to showcase come from what customers are asking us to Mm do.
0: When you're trying to, you know, acquire new customers how are how do you sort of market yourself you you have a marketing background because if people are looking for a specific product i imagine they're not necessarily looking for a way so that they can sustainably buy the product are you are you what is sort of your your schema for for getting people to know about who you are and how you go about things because i imagine there's an education process associated with that
1: yeah, even though my mar- my background is in marketing, I don't take care of the marketing at real. <laughs> my, my co-founder, Alejandro Kidisi, which comes from marketing too. Uh, he is the CMO and he takes care of all, of all the beautiful side of the communication. Uh, but it's definitely been immersing ourselves in those conversations on that discovery. I mean, we live in an era where there is so much data out there through Facebook, through Instagram, the brands that you like, the things that you like. Uh, that's definitely a huge advantage nowadays that allow you to be very targeted with consumers. But you can start like casting a wide net and then refining based on what you see uh, is the demographic that giving you the highest conversion. And that's the approach we've taken since the get go.
0: Mm-hmm. And what are your are your. Uh Goals for the coming months to the year just to sort of expand to new categories? What are you what are you sort of looking at now now that things are a little bit different than they were, or they're very different than they were, say, three months ago?
1: Yeah, look, our mission as a company has always been to make aspirations a reality and debt-free. And being able to expand that notion of debt-free shopping to more and more customers has been the goal since the beginning. So definitely growth. It's something that we're going uh, very heavy after. We spent a good amount of time working on product market fit, right? working on communication, understanding the co- the customer as a whole. And now it's more a matter of let's open the gates and let's just focus on growth. And as you mentioned before, partnerships are part of that, right? working through different channels to acquire customers. And giving those customers a voice is something that we're highly focused on for the next upcoming months.
0: So you you mentioned how you worked with more sort of startups, smaller brands. What What is your plan to, are, are, are there plans to work with bigger brands? How are you going about that? Sort of how are you approaching? Because I imagine that especially for l- more luxury brands, that, that that is something that many people want, especially a bigger one. And so how, how are you going to be, be working with those guys?
1: So definitely going after bigger brands. We are actually in multiple conversations right now. Uh, The focus actually has been on showcasing, one, the need in the market for people to have alternative ways to buy the things that they want to the high likelihood and the way higher conversion possibilities that they have once they see that they can achieve the things without that. Mm Because many of our customers have bought their first luxury handbag through our website. So Mm -hmm. we're actually converting them and giving brands the opportunity to leverage our platform to also enhance their equity by showcasing that they're a brand that cares about you. That's something that brands are interested on. And then ultimately really for them, It's all about being able to convert a customer that has been out there following their brand, right? Follows them on social, engages with them, but have not crossed the threshold into making a purchase. And that's something that we can do. And throughout the years that we've been at Real, we have been able to aggregate a fantastic set of data that proves that it's not that I'm assuming that they're going to like their brand, that proves that people are already saving for their brand, Mm -hmm. that people are already willing to convert and live their experience and come to us and save for them and talk about it. So all of that data, all of that one and all of that need that customers have to achieve their aspirations, it's something that we can leverage now in order to have these conversations with bigger brands.
0: Do you think, is there a learning curve specifically with big brands in terms of explaining to them that there might be a 50 to 100 day delay until they get the sale?
1: Yes, there is. At the same time, if you think the amount of time that people leave items or the wish list and they don't convert... And the time frame that it takes them by sending retargeting emails over and over and over in order to get a customer to convert. Actually, one thing that has been very interesting for us is, look, in cases where our average order value is $400, right? Mm-hmm. So it's pretty good average order value. In cases where you go to a website, you see, you know, a Gucci handbag and it's, let's say, $2,000, or you go to a different website and look at a pair of shoes, far fetched that are $800. Let's say that you don't convert, and then they retarget you constantly. Even if they were to give you a 10% discount, if you didn't have $800 10 days ago, most likely you don't have $720 today. Right? <laughs> but, but if you tell the customer, hey, actually, if you had put $5 a day when you started, when you saw this item, if you had put five dollars a day, when you saw this item, you would have had it by now. And mm-hmm. right? so it's it's open there. And I think it aligns very nicely with with what retailers are looking for as far as conversion, as far as increasing AOV, as far as being more sustainable, right? And offering options that are more relatable to customers.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you are you seeing that people are? You said that you said earlier that people are more that they're cha- that they're not they're buying different things than you would have expected. Are people being more conservative with their money now, given that there is such a different uh we're in such a different economic space right now than, than we were, say, in February?
1: Yes and no. It definitely depends on what verticals you're focusing on, because mm-hmm. as much as you know, there has been a decrease in perhaps saving for fashion, there has been an increase in saving for certain things that are beauty related or home related or decor related. So Overall, the amount spent has stayed pretty consistent. The items that they chose to spend their money on have definitely varied because our priorities as humans have varied because, I mean, we're 24-7 at home now. And a yeah. lot of us, you know, we, a lot of us, we don't necessarily have a house or an apartment that's been fit to work from, from there, right? Especially if you are in New York, in LA, in Miami, depending on where you are. But definitely all of the sudden, investing more in making your house prettier, more accommodating from working from home, uh, investing more in fitness from home. Those have all been categories that have catapulted since since this happened with COVID.
0: Wow. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have today, Daniela. This has been such an interesting conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me and giving me another platform to share the real story. I'm always happy to to share all of our learnings.
0: And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. Our producer is Pierre Biennamé, who also produced our theme music. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and head to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review and a rating. See you next week.